Hey, and just a quick reminder that the audio-only versions of these Vital MX interviews are available on the Vital MX podcast page. Search for it anywhere you get your pods and let your friends know about it. All right, this is Dark Side with Vital MX. I'm back today with the owner of Redbud MX, Mr. Tim Ritchie. What's up, Tim? Uh, everything at once. Everything <laughs> I bet. At once. I bet. Uh, MXDN is coming up quick. We wanted to visit with you a little bit before the big event. Man, uh, how has everything been at Redbud this year? How has the process been getting prepared for the 2022 MXDN? Um, man, it's been going well. It's been going well. We had a light season on purpose um, because we knew we had so much work to do for this. Um, this thing probably takes better part of a year in, in total planning for it. You know, on and off between doing our other stuff and obviously a national, you know, takes a little bit of time as well of course so and we don't want to neglect that for sure so that that was that was a good event it was a great racetrack which is putting a lot of pressure on me to duplicate that again to replicate that track if possible um good crowd it was probably one of the better crowds we've had since since 07 08 when everything kind of crashed there right yeah this was a good year good racing in general and i think all the fans were really back out in masses for 2022 yeah, I think I've been missing some of the Zoom calls. We do a weekly Zoom call with the, with, the, with all the other promoters, and uh, uh, the ones I caught, everybody was. I think everybody's been up this year. That that I heard of. That's great to hear. Well, let's yeah, for sure. Before for sure. we get started, really about MXDN and this year's event, for those that maybe don't know a lot about the history of Redbud, can you talk about it a little bit? I know it's a second generation track at this point. Your your dad and I believe mom had some involvement in starting it in 1972. But give us a little rundown of the history. Yeah, I moved here when I was five, so my my history of it, my memory of it's not so great. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he started it with two of his riding buddies and my grandfather on my mom's side. So one guy was a high school principal, one guy was a insulation contractor. Um, they started as a side gig, just just like things like that start, you know, something cool to do on the weekends. My dad had a, it's kind of a cool story. My dad had a Yamaha Mako shop in Valparaiso and Selvarage was the Mako importer at the time. So he was his Mako rep, which which is kind of cool. Selvarage has been around a long time, but that kind of gives you an idea how long he's been around, I guess. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a lot of history. We're just right there, just talking about a shop like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened was somebody broke into the shop and it got torched on their way out. Oh, um, so it burned to the ground, and he actually started a shop here at uh, the old blue barn down out front. He had a makeable taco shop, and we moved here. And you know, two or three years in, I guess, to the racing at the track, but he kind of thought maybe somebody could make a living doing the racetrack thing. And, bought the other partners out and 50 years later here we are yeah that's amazing I, that he found like almost the the heaven of moto right it's one of the favorite tracks on the circuit the fan most of the time i would say 80 percent of the time 90 percent of the time when when polled most people say Redbud is the best track in the country you get a little bit of millville's here and there but really Redbud is a quintessential track on the circuit yeah, you know, riders do have their preferences. Generally, whoever wins obviously loves those tracks. Yeah. Um, even if it's not a rider's favorite racetrack, I think everybody respects the, the effort and the work and the money we dump back into the place to try to try to turn it into what it, what it has evolved into over 50 years, you know? Absolutely. 
How did the first national come about in 1974? Well, again, I was a little young. Okay. I believe in 73, they started building it in 72. 73, they ran a CMC national, I believe. And in 74, you know, this was the beginning of all this. AMA was giving these things away. Ah. And they picked one up. And it's kind of funny because we've been fighting to keep it ever since then, it seems like. (laughs) And when did the July 4th weekend start? Has that always been the weekend? I can't even tell you that. Okay. I have no idea. But you have to look in the Racer X Bolt. We actually missed a year in there, which I didn't realize. We ran one in 74, and we did not run a national in 75. Oh, wow. I didn't didn't know that until Davey put all that history out there in the vault. And so we were kind of off with our annual event. But then in 20, with COVID year, we ran a doubleheader that weekend, that year. So back on. So that that kind of caught us back up where we we thought we were the whole time. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'll have to reach out to Davey about some of that history then. Yeah, he's he definitely is the the encyclopedia of that. Is is it tough? Like, do you have to fight to keep that July 4th weekend every year, or is it pretty much? No, not not really. I mean, I think, you know, MX Sports kind of, they, you know, we're they're our partners and we're their partners, whatever. So if we do good, they're doing good. So I'm sure they're happy to keep us there. And uh, I think everybody respects that date and nobody wants to jump dates anyway, if they can avoid it. That's probably true. Yeah. But, but as long as we've been on that one, you know what I mean? We, that would be, that would be a pretty big question. If anybody ever changed that on why that would happen, you know? Right. As far as the fans go, we kind of talked about it being a favorite. And of course you got the, the red bud. Yeah. Like, what do you think specifically it is about that event, that facility that the fans love so much? Is it just the viewing? I mean, it's obviously a beautiful facility. The dirt's good. It's usually good racing. I mean, but is there anything that just jumps out to you that is the what sets that thing off apart from everybody else? Not really. I think, you know, we kind of, I can't even think of the years. Late 90s, maybe. Everybody was having issues with security i know unadilla went the no alcohol for a while i know steel city went the no alcohol for a while uh we were all having the same problems the, the crowds were rough they were hard to keep under control and my sister and i our, our father was still here and running things and, and amy and i were involved enough to to tell each other it's like hey let's try to leave, keep the party alive and let's spend the money on security to, to try to make it safe for everybody but let it still continue so through that whole time, we never went to no alcohol. We've still never gone to no alcohol. Um, we sell beer inside the racetrack now, and, and we that's our pouring area. So people cannot bring alcohol into that, okay. but they can bring alcohol into the parking lot, into the camping lot. They can tailgate, and obviously they can come inside and buy beer. So we've never we had never had to go that that route of of no alcohol at all. We spent a boat ton of money on security to to, to get it to where we could handle it, you know, and it could stay safe for everybody. And, Back back in those days, there was there was riots, there was all kinds of really ugly stuff happening at a lot of the racetracks, including this one. I got you. Yeah, well, people definitely love it. Um, let's go ahead and jump into some MXDN. Two thousand eighteen was the last one at your facility. Obviously, rough rough day for the American team. Lots and lots of rain. It was a mud fest. You know, there was there was comments on the track prep and the sand and et cetera. You've you've kind of talked about that multiple times. What are you doing this year for 2022 to try to make sure that it's maybe a, a, I don't really want to use the word better, but where people are happier? Yeah, um, that's a really tough one to explain. Um, 
I think it was a racetrack in October that none of the pros would ever see in July. Mm-hmm. You don't get system rain in July that comes through and just parks and dumps on you for two days. That you know, in July you get storms that blow through. You might get a lot of rain, but it blows through in forty-five minutes and washes a bunch of stuff out, and then it's out of here in the sun shining again. So it's nothing those guys would have ever seen. Um, ironically, right now we are super dry, which is exactly what happened last time. Yeah. It was really dry leading up to that event. That it's kind of a weird thing, but when it dries out like that, it sucks all the moisture out of the ground. Like the grass keeps growing and sucks all the moisture out of the ground, which opens the ground up for moisture to get back in it kind of. Um, and that was the facility. As far as the racetrack goes, it's the same exact thing as today right now, which I have a plan for that, but it's, it's, we've been working it. We've been trying to get everything done and getting it, you know, polished up as good as we can. And when it's dry like that, it just, you just working it into baby powder. It's mm. just everything out there is, an inch or two of, of fluff, you know, dried up fluff on top. And that's what it was in 18. And I think we may have even thrown a little bit of water before it all started. Cause it was dry coming up to it. And I know we had a off-road truck it was Deegan at the time that went out Thursday and was going to be part of the show on Sunday. And he was testing some stuff and just doing a lap. And it, it was, it was pretty deep and dry just on top, just fluff, you know, it wasn't opened up like with a ripper opened up. Right. Which, which, you know, when you see the rain coming, that's the last thing you do is open it up, you know? So, so I knew it was, it was firm underneath, but we didn't really get that crazy much rain. It was just a slow soaker like that, that turned that poo on top into poo. So, you know, the track was, it was very raceable. It was, it wasn't like a mud fest, like they couldn't get around the racetrack or anything like that. I think what happened, this is my personal opinion. I've never talked to any of those guys about it, but. I think it just threw those guys, the U.S. team off so far. I think they knew exactly what they were going to get. And when they went out there, it was so far away from that, from that deep loam, you know, chocolate cake, super deep, where you could stuff it in a corner anywhere. It was, it was the opposite of that. It was two or three inches of sloppy stuff on top with a hard base underneath, kind of. And I think it just, it just threw them off so far. It just threw a monkey wrench and everything they had going on. And, I, I don't know. I've never, like I said, I've never talked to anyone about it. Right. But. Well, th- yeah, there's always difference of opinions anyway, and you're going to get different sides and different thoughts. So, but let's... yeah, there, there was no extra sand added like <laughs> everybody thought. I mean, I put, I, I do sections. It's not like at this point I've been doing that for so long. I don't, I don't resand the whole racetrack. I'll do, you know, there's some sections that wash really bad. So that needs replenished quite a bit. Um, and there's sections that I want to act in a certain way. If I got a downhill that I want to get, you know, real bumpy, I'll put some extra sand on it to make sure it stays loose. So, so I had done that, but it wasn't what everybody thought it was. It it turned into, we changed the racetrack for the euros. (laughs) Yes. And the two things we changed were we took the off camera out and we did that because they wanted a specific length of racetrack for TV. And it was a little long and we changed the first turn for the mechanics area. Yes. Yes. Um, the first turns, I think everybody would agree it's much safer now than it was. Um, I, I don't think anybody thinks it should be back where it was before. So we ran that for four years since then. And nobody thinks that section's European air quotes, you know? <laughs> right, so, right. So it just turned into, they, they changed the track, which we, what we changed, we had to do. We had to change the start line to house their pit structure. It's massive. It's like 250 foot long where what we run for the nationals is about a hundred foot long. So we didn't have a 250 foot perfect straightaway that level straightaway that we could put that thing on so that's why the first turns changed the way it did 
Um, and then the weather with the track, the way it came out being sloppy on top, which is, you think about it, it's kind of what those guys ride in all winter. Um, you know, they're practicing over in Europe in the snow and the rain and on unprepped tracks in the slop. It's kind of exactly what those guys ride quite a bit, you know? Yes. So it just, it just played into their hands what it was. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't changed for the Europeans. It wasn't done anything like that. And this time around, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we're not in the same exact position. If you get weather. <laughs> Currently, it doesn't look like we're going to get weather. It looks like it's going to be very, very dry. Okay. When it comes to the logistics and the preparations and, and like, quote, unquote, who's in charge for MXDN, how much of that is you and how much of that is in front moto? It's a little different than the national. So the yeah. national, we're the promoter and MX Sports is the, is the sanctioning body. For this event, we are the event organizer. And this event is owned by in front motor in front motor racing. So IMR. That technical technicality is in there. So it's it's technically their event, hundred percent. Where the national MX Sports is in charge of the national, the pro race, you know, they don't have any say over anything else, pretty much. You know, the rest of the facilities are ours to take care of. It's kind of the same thing for this, but they're in charge. I mean, they set the pricing. I mean, we're, we're kind of I think they look at us, us as a partner. You know, that they don't know the U.S. market like we do. And being we've already done an event with them, I think we've got some good trust there. So we do talk through all this stuff, but all of that stuff is their say in the end. The only thing we have control over is camping and parking. That's okay. It. So the rest of the stuff, we're, we're, there's a revenue share. And I, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about the contract and all that stuff. That's but, fine. Uh, they're in charge of it all. So when it comes to track prep, like obviously the leap is a big thing, right? Every, even at the national every year, are, are, is the leap going to be doable for the two fifties? <laughs> I hear you laughing. You know, yeah. I mean, J- I think JT explained it once and he nailed it. You know, if I stretch that thing out and give everybody a run at it, it's a matter of time until some kid on a one fifty F tries it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the Rocco had this analogy years ago. Before two, before four strokes, he said we'd walk a track and think, "Do you think you can do that section? Do you think that can be done?" And he said, "Once four strokes hit, it was you think anybody will try that because <laughs> it's like everything's doable, you right? Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you, you put these kids on seventy horsepower four fifties, they're going to jump it. So I, I try to set it up to where a perfect situation would be all the four fifties can do it, only the top guys could do it from the inside per se. Okay, sure." And then only the top two fifties could do it from the outside. That would be a perfect kind of setup. You know what I mean? Cause if you stretch it out and let everybody do it, it's going to kind of lose its allure a little bit. Of course. Yeah, um, I agree. But, but setting it up, like I just explained, isn't so simple. You know what I mean? That's not like I, we do a practice on Saturday anymore. It's just a one day pro race. So if it's wrong, it's wrong. Um, I did from where it was from the national. It's very similar to that. Uh, there is a VIP tent outside of that area. So I took that berm down a whole lot, but I moved it out probably 10 to 15 feet. So it should be, it should be more than doable. But I mean, the two fifties did it this year. Yeah, there was a handful yeah, of two fifties sure. did it this year. So yeah, it'll, it'll be doable for two fifties from the outside. And, and some of that can be controlled with the prep of the corner, how deep we get it, how wet we get it. You know, if it's, if it's deep and soft, that, that robs a lot of horsepower and that changes the game a little bit, you know? Yeah, I guess. So, and, and for the national, we have amateurs on the same racetrack. Yeah. And it's really tough with amateurs because, you know, everybody wants to do it. And, and, you know, amateur stuff goes, if one guy does it, the other guy's like, well, I'm that fast. So I should be able to do it. And 
matter of time you're carting people off and we don't we don't want that you know definitely not yeah i guess i was i was curious if in front would ever come in and say we don't want the the delete doable for 250s because some of these guys can't, can't have never jumped anything you know i didn't know if they would come in and say don't allow it to be jumpable basically no, no they, they they've never put any input oh their only input was the length of track yeah I mean, the FIM has to homologate the racetrack, so there's some protocols in there that they have. They're just their basic safety stuff. Okay. That can only be so close to each other here and there without a fence, so stuff like that. But as far as the layout goes, they really didn't have much input at all and didn't really didn't really have much to say about it. Um, they did point out, which, which is something I missed, that the caliber rider coming from the MXON is very, very, very broad. Yes, there are some very slow people that come to this race. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I asked that question. Not picking yeah. on anybody, but you know what I mean. There's sure. there some guys that are that are pretty slow that have to ride this racetrack as well. So that that was pointed out to me that it needs to be safe, which it is. I mean, pretty much everything's a tabletop. You know what I mean, more right. or less. So yeah, yeah, you're not required to but, jump but, the leap. So yeah, 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 right, right, right. So they they did point that out to me the first time around, which which I hadn't really thought about. You know, you think about the top guys in the world. And that's what ends up being out there. But, you know, the the guys that don't make the cut, some of those guys are a little slower, you know, Absolutely. They're, they're amateur, yep. amateurish speeds. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm sure the slowest guy here wouldn't be able to qualify for a national, you know, I would bet you're right about that. Uh, two more questions. Yeah. What is your number one priority for this event? Do you have one? There's not, there's not, there's not one. Okay. There's not one. Okay. There's just a million details and, and you don't priority, you, you know, you want to get them all done. You want to do them all right. So you don't, prioritize them until till you start running out of time and or things fall apart you know what i mean yeah then you kind of prioritize them on the run i guess all right well leading up to this event for fans are there any any events leading up thursday night friday like uh the last one i think there was a legends dinner things like that anything special going on this year that people might want to come out early get tickets for you know that's the weird part people want to come out early anyway okay um i think we're going to open I think we're going to open the vending area up top on Thursday, I believe. I know Friday the vending area is going to be open. The paddock's going to be open for paddock holders, ticket holders. Everybody's here, and they want to. It's, it's kind of weird. Like everybody's here, the vibes here, but there's not really any events going on yet. You know, because it's a it's a two day event. Right. Um, we are doing the pit bike thing, the the pit bike of nations. Vitus is his his, his baby. Um, I think we're doing some stuff. Friday night for that. I think we're going to do qualifying like team Friday on the Hill. They do the team introductions for the, for the real motocross donations. Yes, sir. Um, so they do that Friday afternoon. I think, I think around four, I haven't actually seen a final schedule for the weekend yet. Um, after that, we're going to go down below and I think they're going to do the team intros for the pit bike of nations. And then they're going to do some qualifying stuff. They're going to let them kind of get their practice in and, we're doing transponder scoring down there this time because That's last good. time we did it on paper in the rain and it was kind of a mess. <laughs> it was a disaster. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I think it's questionable if Canada actually got third or not or right. whatever. Oh, whatever. No. I, I think the, the results are a little questionable, but don't tell God. Anyway, we have transponders set up down there this time. So they'll be doing lap times and, and they're going to qualify down Friday and racer X is doing the race day live stage thing again. So we're bringing a stage in and a jumbotron for down there and a sound system and, when there's nothing going on up here in front gave them the, the ability the i guess let them broadcast what's going on down there because they obviously own the broadcast right to the event so racer x will be streaming all that i believe and tim cotter puts that together for us so he he 
kind of finds what talent's going to be here, which past riders will be here. I know Ricky and uh, Stanton are coming. Um, <clears throat> I honestly don't know who else is coming. To tell you the truth. Okay. Last time they did that dinner, so there was there was a there was a shorter list of who wasn't here than what who right, was here. Yeah, but everybody was there. They'll they'll schedule stuff down there. They'll get Wigan involved, I'm sure, and and different probably Mathis and whoever they have on the stage, interviewing the different people, and, and they'll find. I I didn't see any of it last time, so I honestly have no idea what they did, how long it was lasted, or any of that stuff. But I think it was a big hit because we're we're spending money to do it again. So we're bringing in the stage in a jumbotron just for the night track activities. Oh, I can't wait! I look forward to it. Uh, I I know how busy you are, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, thank you so much for having some time. I look forward to this event. It's going to be a blast no matter what. You guys always hold an amazing event. You guys do so much hard work, and I appreciate everything you're doing for us. Man, we appreciate you guys coming. Bring a couple thousand of your buddies. Okay, we'll do it, Tim. Thanks so much, man. I'll let you get All back right. to it. All right. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. All right. All right. All right.